0: So I think most of you know, know me here, but for those of you who don't, firstly, welcome. Secondly, uh, I'm Sam, and normally you can find me at the back trying to make the tech work. And if you can't find me there, you can find me up here trying to play the right notes on an instrument. Um, but so I was given Proverbs 9 to talk on, and I have to admit, when I first read it, my reaction was something along, along the lines of, uh, and hmm, and that was about as far as I got. Because, I mean, what's going on? Wisdom builds her house. She invites some people in. We get some teaching about what wisdom is. And then we hear about Folly, who's also calling people in, but then everyone's dead, and that's kind of it. And it felt a bit sudden. I felt like it had been cut short. And I think part of that confusion arises because I was born and raised in England, and so I've been taught to expect in a story a beginning, a middle and an end and you expect everything to lead towards that end and then you expect the end to make sense of it all and that's not quite what proverbs 9 does because it's been written using a structure which to use the technical term is chiastic now we're going to pop up the spelling on this there we go by the magic of tech that's how you spell it and what it basically means is that the passage mirrors itself So the passage about wisdom and the passage about folly are almost exactly identical. And the crucial thing about this kind of structure is that if it has a middle section as well, that middle section tends to be where you find the crucial bit of information. This might seem a bit of a complex way of trying to get a point across, but we do actually, we we do encounter this structure in everyday life, and I'm gonna prove this because I'm going to get you to finish some sentences. Wake up, because you're going to have to respond and participate in this bit. I'm going to give you the beginning of a sentence, and you give me the end of it. First one, when the going gets tough. Hey! Second one, all for one and... And to bring it back to the Bible. The Sabbath was made for man, not... Those are all chiastic sentences. The beginning is the exact opposite of the end. So we do know the structure, we know how it works, but we're not particularly familiar with it. But knowing this, what does that actually tell us about the passage? Well, firstly, it presents us with a very clear choice between wisdom and folly. But who are they? Because they're personified, and how do we choose between them? And this, Is where that crucial middle section comes in so we've got six verses about wisdom we've got six verses about folly and in the middle we have verses 7 to 12 which are that middle section now for the sake of time we're just gonna be looking for now at verses 10 to 12. and i'm going to remind us of them i'm going to read them out again and they're going to come up on the screen so it is the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the holy one is understanding For through wisdom, your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. So verse 10 tells us that wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. But what does the fear of the Lord mean? Now, Richard actually talked about this two weeks ago but if you're anything like me and can barely remember what happened on Friday, then what happened two weeks ago is completely disappeared. So we're gonna have a quick recap uh, to get us back on board. And the crucial thing we need to remember is that we're not talking about that panic, anxiety-ridden fear that you experience when you're scared of something, when you're anticipating pain or harm. That's not what we're talking about. What we are talking about is an attitude of awe, reverence, a wonder that comes from a true understanding of who God is. To, to try and help you understand this, think of the most spectacular thing you've seen in nature, say a, a huge mountain or an enormous waterfall or the most spectacular sort of landscape you've ever seen. Remember that sense of amazement, that awareness of how tiny you are in comparison to it, that desire to just stand there, not daring to say anything and just breathe it all in. I remember that feeling, multiply it, and now you're kind of getting close to what the fear of the Lord is. That's, that's kind of the feeling we're talking about. And we're told that this is the beginning of wisdom. And this is crucial, because if we forget that Proverbs places our relationship with God at the very heart of wisdom, then it would be so easy to look at Proverbs and think that it's just exalting human reason that it's saying that our own wisdom, our intellect, is the means by which to achieve a good life. And that's simply not the case. Because without God, we don't end up like the wise in Proverbs. Proverbs says we end up like the mocker, the one we see in verse seven, insulting the person trying to give them wisdom. The mocker is someone who is convinced of their own opinion and unwilling to listen to what God has to say. To put it in the plainest terms, Proverb 9 argues that the wisest path is to follow God, and that to follow your own path is folly. That seems relatively simple, but how do we actually do that? How do we choose the right path? How do we not choose our own plans and desires? After all, King Solomon, who is famous for his God given wisdom, couldn't do it, he got it wrong. Now, based on sort of our reading so far, you could see this good choice and bad choice between wisdom and folly, between God and your own plans and desires, and think, well, I I must work harder, I must try harder to make that right choice. But that's not what Proverbs is saying, and I don't know about you, but I find that for me, that simply doesn't work. I can't make myself simply by hard work, choose the right thing. For example, I have a terrible habit when I'm feeling socially awkward or insecure of starting to show off with sort of knowledge and cleverness. Problem is, one, I often get my facts completely wrong, and two, I tend to make other people feel insecure. So not long ago, I was performing near Castle Drago in Devon, it's a very sort of big castle, it's quite modern, but it looks quite old, and somehow or other, the conversation had come around to the architecture of the castle. Now, I can't remember why, but on that particular day, I wasn't feeling particularly great about myself. So I started saying, oh yes, the crenellations must be 12th century, and that archway can't be Norman. I think that bit's 15th century, that bit, yeah, it's probably 16th century inspired. All of my dates were about 100 years wrong. And not only that, but I realized that by doing so, I had made one of the other actors feel really insecure about herself. Now I'm aware I do this, and each time I do it, I'm like, I can't do that again. And so I apologize to the actor, and was like, I I realize that I've done this, and I'm, I'm sorry. And each time I try not to do it again, but it's not always enough. As Paul points out in Romans, I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this, I keep on doing. Just trying harder to make the right choice doesn't work. In fact, the only person who has ever managed to perfectly follow God and always make the right choice is Jesus. But this is actually fantastic news. Because as a result, he fulfilled the law. And so when he died on the cross for a crime he hadn't committed, He paid the price for a debt he hadn't incurred. And what's more, he paid that price with such abundance that we can claim part of it for ourselves. God has rescued us from this cycle of trying to do the right thing and failing because he took upon himself the consequence of that, which is death. And so if we then say sorry and accept that forgiveness through Jesus, then we are clothed in his righteousness. And so our mistakes are covered by that righteousness. We don't have to pay the price for it anymore. Even better than that, if we then go on to live by God's spirit and he lives in us, he helps us to make the right choice by setting our mind on what the spirit desires. In fact, Jesus makes us a promise. He says in Hebrews eight, which is quoting Jeremiah 31, you can pop this one up on the screen. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. So he's saying that he will make his will, his desire, a very innate part of us. It's not just going to be something that we've seen on the page and go, right, I must, I must try and do this. It will actually become part of us so that we want to do it. In short... Following Jesus is wisdom. Now, despite all of this help that we have on offer, we're still gonna mess up sometimes. But even then there's grace, because God works through our weaknesses. In 2 Corinthians 12, verse nine, Paul says that God said to him, "'My grace is sufficient for you, "'for my power is made perfect in weakness, To give a more recent example, last Sunday, I think a lot of you were here, Lauren Windle spoke about her struggles with addiction to drugs and drink. And she said that, in her own words, by the time I realized how important it was to make the right choice in those things, by which she meant not drinking and not taking drugs, my ability to do so in my own strength had gone. She couldn't save herself from her addiction. The... Drugs and alcohol had had too strong a hold on her. But nonetheless, she's now seven years into recovery. She said, I 100% believe I saw a miracle the day he pulled me out of it. So God's power was made clear because her own strength wasn't enough. She couldn't do it. So when it happened, it becomes clear that God did. What is more, thanks to that moment and her continued walk with God, she's now able to help thousands of people with their own struggles with addiction. And so she quoted Paul saying, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Wisdom called the inhabitants of the city to come and eat with her and follow her instruction. And in just the same way, Jesus, calls us into relationship with him, to follow him as a friend and a disciple. If we accept that call, he won't leave us struggling in his wake, trying to keep up. He gives us the strength to walk alongside him. And if we stumble, all we have to do is look to him and his hand will be there to help us up. So what does that look like practically? Verse 10 said, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So the first step is to listen to and accept Jesus' call. We get to know Jesus and accept his offer to save us and let him do the things that we can't do. Now, a lot of us here have already taken that step. But if you haven't, or if you're feeling that maybe you've drifted a bit, you can come back. All you need to do is say in your heart, Jesus, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you for your forgiveness. Come into my life again. And that is the beginning of the journey of a lifetime and beyond. We can then continue to get to know Jesus. And we've only got time to touch on a few brief things, but part of that is pray. Both in the good times and the bad times. It says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. He will be there for you in the tough times and the good times. All relationships are strengthened through talking, through communication, and our relationship with God is just the same. And finally... No, that's not finally. Almost finally. The other bit is read the Bible daily if you can. I used to really struggle with this and I found that having a a reading guide, someone else telling me what to read, was being invaluable in helping me just get on with it and just read and get stuck into what is God's Word. So, finally, talk to the people around you. Learn from them encourage each other proverbs 9 says instruct the wise and they will be wiser still teach the righteous and they will add to their learning wisdom has built her house let all who are simple that's all of us come to it that they might leave their simple ways and live God, thank you that you are here with us. Thank you that you provide your infinite wisdom to us. Thank you that you have forgiven us and that you walk alongside us as you draw us closer to you. Amen.